the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 250 of the Filmmakers Podcast! This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking! From indie film to studio film and everything in between. How to get them made, how to try to make them. And how not to fuck it up. In our very, very humble opinion. Woo! 250 of these motherfuckers. Wow. It's almost too many. We're still here, we should give this up. And as a treat for you lovely, lovely listeners, uh, we did promise a big guest, and they are coming. Next week, we have on a big guest, and we'll announce that very soon. And the week after we do, and the week after they just couldn't do this week in time for our 250th episode. Um, but as a treat for you, we do have on some very special guests. As you've probably read from the intro, we have on the fantastic director... Christian James, everyone! Yay! Yay! We have the fantastic director, writer Phil Hawkins, everyone! Yay! Yay! <laughs> you didn't change that. Never delayed Hang on. That's terrible. And we have on the writer, director, producer, Dom Lenoir! And our editor, Tobias Vees, is joining us! Yay! Myself, Giles Alderson. Yay! Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It's our two hundred and fiftieth. What does we've that had, we've mean? We've had too much fun already. What does what does that mean to you? Two hundred and fifty. Anything it means means we've nothing. all wasted a, a lot of time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Giving out advice uh, and tips and tricks for no reason, for mm. no reason, but because we love you and we want to do it. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say that the, the, the fruits of our labour haven't been born yet. So, you know, all the mm. advice we've given out is yet to, you know, we're slowly, maybe give it 10, 15 years. We're like, God damn it, that podcast was before ahead so of its good. time, yeah. will they we say. Really, <laughs> really no, I, I mean, I think it's a mass. I mean, you know, just to get serious, get for real. It is a, it's, a, it's a huge achievement. And like, you know, I, I sort of. <laughs> roll in now and again I'm so wheeled out when no one else would do it uh, but, but um, as we all but, like, are it, it's, it's, it's just an amazing achievement and Giles and everyone that's just been doing it constantly week in week out it's, it's, it's no mean feat and the knowledge and the guests and you can see how it's grown like you know you're kind of batting A-listers away mm. um, <laughs> clearing the week. decks other than, other, week. Other, than, other than this week yeah <laughs> <laughs> with the Z-listers um, yeah it's amazing and like you know still a sore subject in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you just it, it's great and I and I love being a listener and I listen to it every week you know so uh, so yeah it's great mate it's great that's cool that's cool we've had on uh, incredible guests but what we're going to do for our Christmas special as we did last year we'll do a Christmas quiz um, coming up sort of just before Christmas day I imagine we'll put that out for you where we'll go through our top 10 of the uh, of the podcasts that have been on but the list this year has been incredible especially in lockdown and the year before people just it was amazing to have those people come on share their knowledge and help and support everyone who was going through tough times and we all were during lockdown and that was that was so impressive and so happy so yeah um, I'll pick out a decade days. for that, uh, that Christmas yeah. special. That Christmas special is going to be messy. <laughs> but it's going to be fun. It's us lot doing what we do, but less 
informative. I think uh, this week we wanted to do something a bit more informative and sort of go through topics that either appeal to us or we think will appeal to you in some way, shape or form. But before we get there, let's just do a little rundown of our hosts. Uh, give us a little bit of pieces of what you've been up to. Let the audience know who you are and uh, name your films. Why not? Dom, let's start with you as our resident co-host. Co-host, uh, <laughs> host. Host, host. <laughs> uh, what have I been up to? So when the screaming starts, I was producing on, which is a mockumentary horror. That's done very well. We've uh, premiered at Fright Fest and then been all around the world, the USA, and now sort of in the, the sales distribution conversations, which is uh, which is all very exciting. Um, so that's good. And also working on The Unreason, which is like a female Bill and Ted with the Shakespeare sisters, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and also developing my own stuff as a director, which I like to sort of keep under wraps until it's uh, a place it's where... It's like a Christmas present. Exactly. It's wrapped under a tree and sat there. It's already wrapped. Waiting. I've made it. <laughs> and also your film Winter Ridge, you've missed yes. out that one, is available yeah. to watch now. Yeah, with Emmy Award winning Helen Wardingham. Was that? Yes, she's Emma <laughs> Emmy. Uh, she's been on this podcast, Hannah Waddingham. Um, yep. She is Emmy winning now. Yes, yes. Yeah. in your film. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. CJ, let's go to you. What have I been up to? I was in uh, Denmark uh, shooting a little, a little ad out there, which is uh, cold and um, very nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it commercial? Was it car commercial? Was it? A no, it, uh, it, was for, it was for Power Tools. Power tools. Luckily, I'm not a part of the commercial. I'm not selling it. I'm behind the camera, luckily. But um, yeah, I, I, my pitch was much better. We'll get to that later. That's my question. Um, and then um, I had a project that was uh, a very exciting project uh, that's, that was uh, destroyed, shot down in flames thanks to COVID-19. So um, I'm, I'm breathing life into the... I'm, I'm on the embers of that project right now. So that's what I've been up to. And they're just stuff in between life. You're also the director of Freaked Out, Stalled and Fanged Up, which are all available now. Wherever Fantastic. You get your films. Going straight to our lovely man, Tobias Vs. Hello, buddy. Tell Hi, our me. listeners a little bit about you. They only know you as an editor and that you came on as co-host recently. Yeah. Actually, I have a, I have a film myself at the moment um, at the International Up and Coming Film Festival, which is one of the biggest youth <laughs> film festivals in the Don't German pretend you're young. Market. Stop it. We're, we're uh, all old. Tobias is 45, by the way. away from this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which started today and and you can stream it the entire week um, online. And uh, we are going to have a lovely talk about the film on Saturday, 5 p.m., which is 4 p.m. In, in the UK. And Ooh. yeah, my film In the Dark is featured there. And I'm really excited about that. It's a drama with um, experimental touch and horror elements. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it's a short film, so everyone knows. It's a short, yeah, it's a yep. short film uh, that I wrote and directed and uh, produced and edited. But um, yeah, that's great. What and congrats, yeah. man. That's great. Well, that's really good. Tobias really has Thank also you. written some scripts with me as well. So we've been developing yeah. those and some scripts that have been made uh, as well, which is super exciting. But yeah. um, we can't talk about those. But, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, you could just, just blow it. Just blow it. <laughs> yeah, blow it. Yeah, just kill the hype. Ghost writing <laughs> yeah. for fun. But yeah, that's, that's amazing. Uh, we also, you know, 
Toby's our editor of the podcast as well. And I think it's really interesting because we've all made features, but a lot of people listening to this podcast haven't. So it's really interesting for you guys that Toby's kind of your voice today to throw questions at us as well, that, uh, that burning in his mind that he thinks other um, indie filmmakers who are about to make their feature will think as well. Phil Hawkins, tell us about you, buddy. Hi. Um, uh, yes, I'm a director. Um, bread and butter is commercials. Many, many, many commercials. Especially many. this year has just been insane. What was your Christmas year. commercial? You must have done one of the Christmas commercials. Do you know what? This year I've not done a Christmas commercial. What? Bizarrely. Yeah. I, well, because usually they're kind of yeah. summer mm. and then it all got a bit crazy during the summer of people playing catch up. So I've actually missed the Christmas boat this year. But I just did a commercial for kind of interestingly more kind of like almost like short film like content commercials mm -hmm. but like with like a commercial budget for making things so i just did like a three part mini series for acer which is kind of a superhero origin story and then i did um just did like a little film for magic the gathering any magic the gathering fans out there um which uh, was pretty cool um kind of bringing some characters to life that just exist on cards you know so that that was cool. that was exciting um and yeah yeah i've done done features as jail says um so uh, i've done five features and um the the film that I need to stop banging on about is obviously Star Wars Origins, which is the yeah, the crazy <laughs> fan film that I did that just got just was at Comic Con, which is good fun. You should never um, stop banging cool. on about it. It is a huge, a brilliant achievement, I think, for anyone making a Star Wars fan film. The fact that yours is by it's just incredible. It's super high production values. It's amazing. You can watch it on YouTube now. It's it's brilliant. Go watch that and then go, oh, okay, that's how to do it. Uh, it Thank is you, man. super incredible. And should we have a mini exclusive on the uh, Filmmakers <gasps> podcast? Yeah, let's have not, a mini not exclusive. <laughs> I'm building this up. I can't say loads about it. But um, yeah. basically in a week, I'm going to be in Romania doing my first studio film, <gasps> uh, wow. which is wow. uh, pretty, very, very, very exciting. And I got the job. Uh, this time last year so wow. that's how long it's been wow. uh, going so can't say loads about it yet and I will fill you in and I'd love to do something on the podcast about it is that a pun um, fill you in I, I, no no, no don't <laughs> <laughs> pause while Tobias cuts that out <laughs> don't cut it Tobias <laughs> um, so um, so yeah like, you know in, <laughs> in terms of um, you know I made Star's Origins as a piece of work to attract kind of studio attention and and then, you know, it looks like it's kind of worked. So, yeah, so start prep. Um, and it's going to be a big, fun Christmas um, family Spielbergian movie, you know, yes, which is good in. fun. Can you even tell so, us the um, title or anyone who might be nothing yet? You can't. No, nothing, I, I'd say you can't. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably shouldn't until they tell me. But we're casting at the moment; it's really exciting, and um, you know, and it's going to be a challenge. Uh, of course. But yeah, so prepping now to Christmas. Come back for Christmas. Go back to Romania, uh, shooting, and then I'll be back in March or something so at some point. So that's January good fun. to March, yeah. Basically, yeah. Oh, so um, with fantastic. the prep, so it's good fun. So are you at really Castell cool, Studios? So. Are you over there at their studios? We are, yeah. Yeah, yeah Castell, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, amazing Castell, using that back lot and stuff. Lovely. Um, making America, um, <laughs> creating America in Romania. Um, oh, I love it. So, yeah, so that's really exciting. And it's kind of weird saying out loud because I'm the same as Dom. Like, you know, you don't say stuff until <laughs> things are real. Mm -hmm. And uh, I literally have just got an email with my flight confirmation. So I guess it's happening. <gasps> I guess it's, it's real. Flying. I guess. <laughs> I guess. And if not, we can have... That's it. That's it. It's true. Thank, Don't thanks, CJ. Done. I'm done. 
Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for you. <laughs> I remember when I, they flew me out Thank to Bulgaria to, to make the dare and I was like, oh, this is it. It's happening. And then got there and then spent six months there going, oh my God, is it really happening? Yeah. And it, it, it's that frightening yeah. thing. You've sort of been green lit, but you don't, mm. there's no, I didn't have a date. We didn't have a date. So it was like, give me a date, give me a date, please. So you ended yeah. up just sitting there. So I, hopefully yours is, is slightly different and it's well, all, all, all systems all, are go all currently. Systems so, are go. I'm so, so pleased. Um, so yeah, so that's very exciting. So yeah. So this is Giles Alderson, host of the Filmmakers Podcast, sometimes co-host Hi. as Hi. recently, <laughs> last week. <laughs> such films as studio movie the dare, the um, dare. serial killer's guide to life he was a producer on correct um, stranger in our and bed he lives, and he lives in his attic so there we go there's uh yes. giles's wolves the upcoming there. wolves of war knights of camelot arthur and merlin well done we're getting there, there. You are you kind of reading this off a really bad wikipedia page <laughs> 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 really terrible. he is it. That's just from the top of his head. I it's think it's flow more if he's reading it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Oh, well done, Dom. Very good. Good co-hosting. Uh, yeah, we've got Wolves of War. Uh, I'm in the edit for right now, which is super exciting, and it's kind of good to see your edit come together sometimes and then other times horrific and horrible and you look at it and go what the fuck are we doing but there's there's that magic within there that you can create it and then the stranger in our bed as phil just said yeah we we took it that's sold at afm and yeah very nicely around the world so hopefully that'll be with us in the summer i don't know we don't know sometimes when they get sold to distributors it's kind of gone <laughs> yeah. one day one next. day next yeah we are next so right let's get to our topics today let's dive in i thought we'd start off by talking about inspirations and who has inspired us in the filmmaking world recently whether that be an actor a filmmaker or a screenwriter or that kind of that comes under the same umbrella really just to to get this conversation flowing to start just for who people should look out for who people should follow who people should be aware of and try and get in their uh their good books i this is a, a bit of a cliche they probably all are aren't they really but I remember reading Robert Rodriguez's Rebel Without a Crew book way mm -hmm. back. I was a runner on, on a TV channel for Sky TV in uh, Teddington Studios, which is no longer there. And but yeah, I remember being in the, uh, in the canteen and, and and reading that book and like, oh, you can just you don't need all the lights in the world, all the all the you know kit in the world. You can just you know take out light bulbs and put in tungsten balanced powerful bulbs that do melt light sockets. By the way. Um, mm. Uh, so I melted all my friends' parents' light sockets. I know, yeah. it's a problem, isn't it? Can happen. That was a, not so much now, but it was a problem then. But yeah, and then uh, realising that could be done through through that book. I think that book was the the key catalyst in, in sort of triggering me off into where I am now, in this office right now. I remember reading that book as well and having a real... It feeling so inspired and just going, look, if he can do it for seven grand of his own money and, you know, go through tests or whatever to raise that money as a human guinea pig, I thought, well, we can do that too. And it inspired me to make my shorts and, and get stuff going. Not Turns out you can't do tests pig. in this country though. You can't do the, tests uh, in this country, which is a shame because I could have yeah. made a shit ton of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd still be doing it now. I wouldn't yeah. be a filmmaker. I'd yeah, just be, be filmmaker. just getting tests. Just, but you'd just be a, shape, a mass on the floor going, oh, 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 oh. Um, But yeah, I loved that. I loved how inspiring that was. And it totally, even these now, and that, what was that? The 80s? 90s? Um, sure. 90s, 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 
I can basically make Mission Impossible with these. This is the blueprint of how to do it. Something like that. But yeah, I remember being 94? Mission Impossible? Yeah. It was released. Um, he's got it in front of him. Tony's got the book yes. in front he's of him. He's got the book right in front of him. What a fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a super one. Yeah, absolutely. Rodriguez. Uh, Dom, still with you. Who's inspiring? Who's at the moment someone in the industry you still believe in? It's a, it's a hard one. I, I mean, I... I was I was like really Team Nolan. Like his his early films were like the perfect kind of film for me. Clint Eastwood as well. I mean, I guess I guess Clint Eastwood is is still one of the kind of filmmakers that that still inspires me. It's just kind of classical drama, like I pure drama. I suppose what I meant by the question was an indie filmmaker, someone who we can aspire. Because I suppose with those guys, it's it's a different world, isn't it? The studio world. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Not to be controversial, but I, I feel like we always disagree on this one, and I, I feel like I should get my my piece out. Please do. And, and I'd I, love to I, see I your piece. I don't. <laughs> I don't tend to look to indie filmmakers to be inspired. Like it's not. I mean, I, I grew up on Hollywood films. I mean, maybe maybe Phil semi agrees with me on this, but I those I'm are the films. Doing. What's that? He's nodding. He's a podcast. He uh, yeah, nodded. He's nodding. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I, I grew up on Hollywood films and my approach as a filmmaker has always been, I want to try and make Hollywood films. So I, I think in Hollywood films and then I sort of reverse engineer them. So mm. for me, every year, the, the thing that, that keeps me like alive as a filmmaker is waiting for the Oscar films. Um, you know, I watched King Richard the other day. Uh, I watched The Harder They Fall. Like Those are the kind of films where I think this is what I need to try and make. Um, you know, whether it's a smaller budget version of those, that is still what completely inspires me as a filmmaker. And whilst I do love watching indie films uh, and I fully respect indie filmmakers, it's not what gets me like excited about writing or, or doing things because I, I always believe in the philosophy of aiming for the stars and like, you know, maybe you'll fall back at the moon or, or whatever. So I can see I can see there's anger in Giles's eyes that I've derailed no, his question, no. but <laughs> I, I love but it. But that, that is kind of how how I, how I think as a, as a filmmaker. It's inspiring. Don't, don't I'm the same. Go on. Yeah, no, I'm the same. And I, I was I was thinking about you know who I would say you know, and there are filmmakers that when you look at you know um, if you look at what Taika like. Tiki did yes. in terms of making indie film and then transferring indie film over to the studio mm -hmm. landscape, but re and maintaining in inverted commas his voice. Like they're very much his style, and not a lot of filmmakers have achieved that. Like you know, yeah, no one's gone from like mind bending small ideas to mind bending big ideas in terms of budget and things. But like his kind of sensibility, and maybe because it's comedy or that kind of off off kilter look, you know that 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 kind of works. Uh, you know. You look at Colin, Colin Trevorrow, for example, mm -hmm. you know, Safe Not Guaranteed was an amazing, you know, totally indie, indie and I yeah. watch it all the time. It's yeah. really inspiring to go like, wow, you can make that and then potentially go and get Jurassic World, <laughs> you know, um, and, um, you know, and, and, and in a slightly different look, you know, obviously Edgar Wright, you know, is, is some that is a very... Uh, British filmmaker, even though it's probably American money, but like, you know, going, growing up the ranks of that and then working title on stuff. So that's probably more into studio film. But like, these are filmmakers that, you know, when you look at Nolan now, you know, making ridiculous, huge budget things, mm. money is no object. And as a, as a filmmaker, you know, in your office trying to make a short, you're like, there's a disconnect. Mm. So I always like those filmmakers where, you know, they bridge the gap by making a piece of work that mm -hmm. has resonated. Yep. Um, and I find that really inspiring. I suspect as well, half your, your Gareth Edwards and those guys, obviously to us, they've made it, but you, know, you might talk to them and they might say, 
No, I haven't made it. You know, I'm, mm. I'm because the uh, yeah, you I know, only made Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? As in, when you've done it and you're in it, yeah. it doesn't feel like you've made it. It's hard no, to so. enjoy. It's yeah. hard to enjoy things when you do it. Didn't you say this, Giles, on the last podcast? You were saying about you know taking a moment to realize mm -hmm. everything yeah. you got to it and uh, and i was listening to that and that resonated with me because you don't you just rush ahead and you're like well what's the next thing what's the next thing because you have to have a hunger and ambition to survive in this crazy existence that we call filmmaking That's but so um, but it is right to you know to, to take that moment, you say, CJ, I think it is. Mm. I think that's, yeah, yeah I, I think we do. I think we do. Uh, look, if we can make movies in this business, you know, well done. It's it's an amazing, amazing achievement. It's so ridiculously hard. We're blessed, all of us, that we have actually made films. And I believe Toby will make one soon as well. It, it just is so He's hard. He's already There's made one. No, but a feature. Take it away from the poor yeah, boy. <laughs> You know what Charles I mean. Charles is such a feature snob. He's like, I you can't call yourself a director it's until so you... Even chastised to us. He's like, we've made a film. And Charles is like, yeah, it was a short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean that in the blessed way. I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Making shorts is still hard work. And thank you for moving <laughs> me on it. It's true. I'm a feature snob and I apologise heartily because making a short is ridiculously hard. Um, but we are we are 100%. I, I do, like Phil said there about remembering what we've done and achieved it's sometimes looking back and going holy shit for those of you out there who have made features or shorts uh, how amazing <laughs> that is he laughed <laughs> I laughed when I said it I tried to say it most, so most of the listeners are now just turning <laughs> off, turning off. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when when we were when I was trying to pitch the dare and when I was trying to get the dare made in that time when I was waiting and I kept saying to the exec just look at my shorts I know what I'm doing don't worry and he was literally just like no <laughs> no, doesn't mean anything to me. Not interested. I, I, I do disagree. I think it's a brilliant calling card and so, so important to do it. And for me, someone who's ridiculously inspiring is Jim Cummings at the moment. And most of you know of him, especially in the indie filmmaking world. I, I think what he's done and achieved is ridiculous. You know, he set up his own company now uh, and they're making things constantly and he's helping other filmmakers in, in real time and, and making things happen. And that was from him, you know, making comedy shorts and bits and pieces and then making thunder road to go sorry i'm gonna make a short i'm gonna star in it because there's no one else really around it. i want to do it boom and and he then went off and did a studio film after thunder road he really wasn't happy didn't like it and then came back to make an indie film raised the money himself i love that he didn't sit back on his rolls and go oh i'm gonna do another indie uh, um, studio film I'm going to wait. That to me is ridiculously inspiring. Um, and I'm going to go out and do it myself. Whilst Christopher Nolan and, and those brilliant filmmakers up there in Hollywood are obviously um, something I also grew up with and are also inspiring the, the things I'm working on. What I could relate to more was um, the episode from last week um, from uh, Richard Miller um, talking about repeat. Because having done now a couple of shorts and raising money myself, I thought making a feature for 10k is ridiculous that and and i watched the film uh, last week when it came out and it's brilliant and what you can achieve with just 10k and and make a feature so it's possible and that's like the gap is not too wide from um zero money to 10k i mean 10k is still a lot of money for for a lot of people but in in terms of filmmaking is nothing or next to nothing and um i found that was really inspiring um to hear that you can just make a feature um with great ideas for 10k yeah. You're right. And it was a cool, like, high concept idea, right? It's a very commercial idea, you know? Yes. I think the problem is yeah. like, oh, I've only got 10K. I'm going to have to film myself in a room and, you know, talking mm -hmm. in a kitchen and all that 
bollocks like you know just on paper you know it's like oh that's a cool i want to see that i don't care about the budget the idea is cool like mm. there's a hook you know so uh that that's what i found really interesting about that podcast and about repeat the film itself is kind of it has a hook and, yeah. and actually something that's sellable because you know yes we want to make our films but we also want people to see them you know that's and, and so that's important. the thing Yes. You know, so Tobias, you're doing it and getting to film festivals, you're short into film festivals, and that's wonderful because people see that and you never know who will see it. Mm, um, yeah. And then, you know, and then when you get to features, you know, Giles, short snob, shorts, uh, <laughs> like, can even be harder, right? Because features, you can sell them. Shorts, you can hardly sell. Maybe you yeah, might you sell it to Shorts International and make 7p on mm, itunes or something but you know features you can actually sell it's, it's a product mm. you can sell so if you're that way inclined obviously i'm talking from the commercial mindset <laughs> the dom and phil brigade of 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 hollywood <laughs> filmmaking but um <laughs> yeah and and so that's cool it, it it's a cool thing to have like a low budget but a big idea you know and that's yeah and he really he really like hit the nail on the head and that was really inspiring brilliant i love it and that brings us on perfectly to dom's first topic uh so if you want to dive into that that will help us i guess my my question is how you build good working relationships uh and this could kind of apply if you're starting out or if you're further along on the field Obviously, if you're starting out, you maybe you need to make some shorts first. hundred <laughs> percent, of course. I, wasn't I made loads of shorts. Please target me. It's fine. I've got I've got um, a big target on my back now. But but, 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 but it's, it's it's a tricky one because I mean I think you need to have a certain body of work behind you before people will sort of take you seriously. And then you know, first of all, you make the shorts, and then you sort of work towards getting that first feature and you obviously need some people in the industry probably who are further ahead whether that's crew or or cast to kind of take you seriously enough to jump on and bring that value and experience to your project but i i think the tricky part is is when you've done films uh, and you're kind of reaching out to people that are way further ahead from you um and it's it's how to sort of navigate those things like you you know do you do you go in and you you sort of come with confidence i think a lot of american filmmakers do successfully sort of navigate that approach like yeah i'm you know i'm the next big thing yeah, i'm gonna go in i think in england it's it's a lot harder uh, and people struggle to sort of go in that route like how do you build a relationship with someone that you want to work with in in the future say with a big production company or a really big producer who's looking at you and thinking well okay there's a bit of a gap between where they are and where i am um how, how do you make them gain that confidence so I, I think it's a i think it's an interesting thing and i think rushing in isn't isn't always the the key way to do things and you can you can definitely scare people off that are very busy and that they have those kind of films on their slate that are at a certain level um but yeah I, i'm interested in what everyone else has to i think it's a great topic yeah how how do you get noticed after your shorts how do you get noticed you know in this world yeah, and even after your features if you're if you're looking to, to well yeah to go upwards. to your next feature yeah if mm. you made a feature for 10k or you've just made it in your garden or you haven't sold it and you've, mm. you've done it though but yeah I suppose that's a good point. How'd you get noticed? I was just thinking about how not to do it and because it made me laugh. Sorry mm -hmm. to keep calling back to podcasts that you've done, but like uh, a few no, I love podcasts this. ago, you were talking about um, some of the emails you were like a load of abuse after. Yes. <laughs> yeah. please, please publish it. I just like, you know. I was I, so I tempted read. to publish it. I was, it was but, amazing. Like, I get them. I get them. And, you? and you know, okay. no, I, I get lovely emails from people. Partly, some of them, there's just like insert name here. Here's, here's a blank, you know, a load of paragraphs that you copy and paste 
facing and like mm-hmm. you, you yeah, switch off on. immediately yes. and then you get other ones where someone's watch your work or someone you know flattery gets you <laughs> with me and maybe this is my trick no i agree <laughs> with like, you when people have put the effort in to mm-hmm. research and, and watch, you're like, I can't help it but reply. And, and I've done it a bunch of the past, you know, from lockdown onwards is like, have Skypes with people. It's just random people that I like, I don't know, but they've watched my stuff and maybe they've sent me one of theirs. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, let's have a half an hour chat. And, and, um, I, I wished I had that, you know, starting out. So, so I, that's why I love trying to do that when I can. Um, so I think that in terms of, what Dom's saying about, you know, uh, some people a few steps ahead is kind of do your research about those people and be very targeted and then and then approach them in a, in a very nice manner <laughs> um, um, with some knowledge of their work. And, and, you know, and it doesn't help. It doesn't harm to ask. Right. You know, it's uh, to just say, oh, can we have a Zoom or. It's the new meat for a coffee thing, you know, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy for us as the filmmakers, if it's me or you, Phil, CJ, if you get asked to do that, it's true for us to go meet for a coffee. It's like, well, I've traveled it. Am I going to be mm-hmm. there that day? Is my meeting going to mm-hmm. run over? All I mean, that for, stuff. For, for me, like I mean, on the other way. side of that, I mean, it depends on how food minded you are. But if someone offers to buy me lunch or or, <laughs> or, two, or coffee and a cake, I'm wow. basically there. <laughs> so, so there you go, everyone. If you, you want to meet Dom, a lot of people have exploited coffee. this loophole. <laughs> What's your favorite meal? <laughs> uh, pro- probably like a cheeky dish room or, or maybe like a good hot chocolate joint. You're a food yeah, snack. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll do, yeah. You'll, you'll do it for food. <laughs> right, so there we go. That solves that. But yeah, I, food. I, I agree in terms of the Zoom thing these days. It's easier for yeah. us to go, yeah, no problem, mm. rather than meeting up. Because if you're, you know, we meet up and we're like, oh God, this is, you know, this is difficult. Yeah, we, we are busy as well. And you'll understand that. I, I remember someone saying recently on some, it's Twitter, I think, they were getting really pissed off. No one was getting back to them. And they were putting it on Twitter saying, why aren't these producers getting back to me? It's not fair. I've written script. I've been waiting a year. I thought, fuck off, mate. Wait 10 years. This is the business. This is how it is. Don't expect anyone to return your calls and don't hold it against them if they don't that is just the way it is we all we're all nodding agreeing here this is just the way it is why should anyone return your calls why should they read your script so you've got to be the person that does that little bit extra to make them want to maybe give 10 minutes of their time to you or maybe look at your deck or maybe read your script i it's hard work reading someone's script, especially if it, you know, first timer. And I think the hardest thing sometimes is to not pitch when you meet them for the first time. That's that's a really tricky one. Or if you do, you just tell them casually what you're up to without asking, you know, are you going to do my film? Because it, it, it is it's tricky. And, and you know, those kind of people are completely inundated. And yeah. I think that is one of the, the key lessons, but it's also yeah. one of the hardest ones to actually physically do. If you're in the room okay. with someone that you know can green light your project how do you do it and what um, and i think the question you've always got to ask yourself is why should they work on your project what are you offering what is it about your film that is amazing what who, who have you attached who else have you spoken to have you won festivals or um screenwriting competitions anything whatever you've done don't just be like hey do my film why you haven't even watched my stuff why should i do your films who i might be terrible you don't know i am (laughs) (laughs) and i think a really key thing on both sides of this for, for me is 
don't expect the producer to do all of the work. Yeah. Like, yeah, even one. if if there's certain things like, look, all right, I've tried this, I've tried this, I'm getting absolutely nowhere. If you maybe did this, this would really help get things off the off the ground. That that stuff helps massively. But I think it's really demoralizing if you're the person being asked when they expect you to do everything and they're not willing to do the groundwork or put mm-hmm. themselves out there. You know, and and I can see why it would be the same vice versa. I'd always say, how many knows you think you're going to get? Take that number, you know, quadruple it and then some. You know, mm-hmm, just definitely. be prepared for so many knows. And you know. Um, and not even no, it's just silence. Just silence. Silence is the worst. Silence. Yeah. Yeah, if you get a no, that's quite yeah, good. That's, yeah, great. that's yeah. actually yeah. Good. A, a treat. Yeah. You've got a reply. Yeah, no. <laughs> go, if you get a no, go buy yourself a nice shirt. <laughs> treat yourself. Because I think you've got to accept that you are, you're fighting um, for, you know, amongst a lot of other people. So people only you know, to get back to you there's there's only so much time in the day so yeah a lot of no's and um it's a numbers game isn't it as well so again you've made your short film i think you've got to be prepared i remember when i made my first feature and i kind of assumed that kind of you know if you build it they will come and i remember putting on a screening and probably not putting in hard enough work just thinking oh if we email a few people and you know They'll just turn up. We're, you know, it's their offices around the corner. We're screening just off off Leicester Square, so yeah, they'll t- they'll come. And no one really came. You know, or some people came and then looked for a few minutes and left again. So I remember the next time thinking, okay, I've got to spend a week and just on the phone day in day out and ringing people, ringing them again. You're definitely coming. And then just before the screening, oh, it, the screens tonight. You're definitely coming. And you'd pushy, 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 and yeah, just uh, prep is everything and. As I said, numbers, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Because it's so important and that's yeah, a really that's good what point. puts you above other people. I mean, and obviously if you've made a good film, that really helps too. A hundred percent. When you know, get there, you've done something, you know, I told you, Richard Miller's a perfect example of that. The fact that the, the idea was brilliant for repeat, but also it's a brilliant film. It's really well executed and getting all these brilliant reviews helps massively to knock on doors everywhere. Suddenly everyone wants to know. Of course, when you're getting great reviews, people are like, oh, I should take notice of this. But when, when you're not, or you're like, say, first time feature filmmaker or short filmmaker, and you're having these events, why should people come? Absolutely the same thing. You've really got a push and work hard no one else is a better pr person than you on your films this that's just fact it's really hard to get people to come to watch a short of yours absolutely we're talking uh about you know your scripts and that next stage that was our first topic there from dom which was how to get notes and you're working relationships with people which brings us on nicely uh to christian james talking about uh director dex and after you've written your script now what which is kind of we've touched on a bit but uh we can carry on CJ. Yeah, well, you've ruined it, Charles. You just told him my, what my thing was, and now it's going <laughs> to. Wait, now. you do it. You do the intro. Uh, you no, do no, it. no, no, no. I get a lot of people. Yeah, I've written a script and that kind of stuff, and and I'm on that journey again now, actually, of 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 breathing life into something. But it's how do we take our script, but then give it that extra something to pitch it, and uh, uh, it, within commercials, there's a. An, uh, a culture of, you know, you get picked, for you, you're, you're going to go for a job, you instantly create a director's deck to show how you would execute that project. But with features and chatting to the people I know around the place, it doesn't feel like they're, it's like I've written a script and read it and there you go. It's like, well, do people make decks to accompany their 
features as much. Maybe they do. Maybe I just haven't seen them. But Massively, what do you guys yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every single project, like pitch deck, is is the number one thing because I, I think you can make the quality way higher than you could demonstrate with anything else, and it's much easier for them to read than a script. Hundred percent. For me, when I get stuff, I want as much information as possible. I want a director's rip reel of how they, you know, from other films. I don't mind that there are other films, but it gives me an impression. I want a short synopsis, a tiny synopsis, and then a full synopsis plus a deck. Imagine if you, you suddenly your mind is so much easier for us to read, for me as a producer to go, okay, now I can have a look. Is that something for me? I know straight away if it's for me or not. Like how a much, picture book. Like a picture book. <laughs> But I love that because how much I want to colour it in as well. I, I think <laughs> it's important <laughs> for that reason because I know straight away if I want to do it. But I also know what this director slash producer is capable of. If they're able to deliver something that puts their vision across in a six page, 10 page treatment, I'm like, okay, I believe in this more. I do the same as a director when I'm pitching stuff and I'm speaking to investors all the time. My decks are full of as much stuff without too much information in there, but images from other films, images that I've made, created, whatever it is, storyboards, whatever in there to just enhance the film. Everything. I think we put more and more. Rip reels for me are, as much as they're a kind of bit of a waste of time because you're taking someone else's film, a Christopher Nolan film shot for 200 million or whatever, <laughs> but you're giving the impression and the feel of something. Hmm. I think that's important. I mean, you know, CJ and I, you know, we're commercials directors, so we're very used to, you know, doing decks and treatments and, you know, and they don't have to be like, also there's a difference between like a deck and like an investment prospectus, you know, there by is, the way. Definitely. So you don't, you don't need all that stuff. Uh, I did a, a, did a pitch recently that was basically it, just images I used and let's, you know, get a pen and paper out people um you know shot deck is a wonderful resource uh flim is the one uh, flim uh, mm -hmm. is a great one um there's one called mood as i think it is um mm -hmm. i think yep. um you know um which are great just to point out images from existing films commercials and stuff like this to create a sense of the tone the sense of the palette and it can really help in a pitch to go look okay this is obviously script stuff but this is actually also how i see it and you can see that ambition you know for the scale or the size or the yes. color palette or whatever that is uh, and it can just be pictures you know um and it helps it really helps a pitch i was just going to say very quickly of what you said about investment packs as well like that was one of the biggest mistakes i made when i was starting out is trying to make these like 50 page bibles with all these like you know words and numbers and financial documents and the reality is you should get someone that knows how to talk money and investment to your investors because if you talk even the slightest bit of what looks like bullshit or generic kind of finance stuff someone who's used to that stuff will look at it and they'll take one look and they'll just say no I'm not interested if you if it's purely creative you know maybe you have like a line you know front sheet of a line budget or something like that and then you've got someone pitching it to an investor that knows money or, or even you go in admitting you don't know about money, you're going to have a lot more chance than blowing, blowing it on trying to be the exec producer when you don't have a clue what you're talking about. I've just literally done that with Three Day Millionaire. So we just kept them separate. So we had our creative deck, which actually we didn't really need because we were talking to investors at this point. And then I had our information memorandum, which was the literal 50 page doc with all the information of where the money would go, how they get it back. And if you don't know what you're doing with those, to be fair, there's quite a few online you can find now, but some of them are out of date because obviously things have changed in the UK. Um, but you, you can't, there's enough in there to sort of know-ish how to start it. But I work with a lawyer 
uh, to get it exactly right. So the wording was right because they can come back and sue you, your investors, if you put in something in there that isn't right. And you didn't mean it, but the problem is later on they go, well, it says that in there and therefore you didn't deliver, therefore I want all my money back. All these things can happen. You've got to be so careful. Shit. I'm running back to quickly <coughs> check half my decks for the commercials I've done. Look, CJ, thank you so much for your question. Thank you for being here. We know you've got to go. We appreciate your time. So for now, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love. You, you used a lot of different terms and vocabularies now. You, you talked about pitch deck, vision deck. You have talked about treatment and stuff. Now, a really practical question. If you're just a writer and not a director yourself, what, what's, the, what's the best document? What, what does it include? I mean, there's different school of thoughts um, about that, but what are, what are your opinions? Yeah, as a screenwriter, I think you should put your images in there. Again, you don't have to go crazy, but if you're sending me an email, you should put, you know, I've loved your films. The Dare was the best thing I've ever seen at the top. It will be your um, email saying that. But. There we go. Followed by <laughs> the podcast is amazing, obviously. And then I, I think you should put, hey, look, whatever, I'm, I'm contacting you because I've got this script I think you might like. I think it's in your wheelhouse because, because, because. Here is the logline. The logline should tell me what the film is about. And then it should say action thriller. And I'm happy to when people put in the vein of Red Notice or Ready Player One. I'm ready for that. I don't mind that. I quite like that. No, it's just a tonal thing, isn't it? It just goes, oh, okay. I, I can mm. see, yeah. Yeah, we can see it then. And I don't mind images on the bottom of that in the email. I don't mind that because then it gives me a, oh, it's like this. And here's a colour palette I've come up with. Because I feel that all writers kind of should be doing that or doing that when they're writing anyways, coming up with images and ideas and music. And they're already in that vein of mind. So why not? Put it in some sort of mini deck. It can be a page, it could be two mm. pages, it could be ten. You know, you don't have to be brilliant at Photoshop, you know, or putting decks together. You just have to put your vision across, and you get better mm. at it for sure. Can Phil? I also say what really puts me off? Yes, of course. <laughs> just, to, just to contradict everything you've said, John. No, please, please don't. Please don't make a poster. I'm just, no, don't make a poster. Oh, no. I just, no, no like it really no. puts me off. I don't know why. I'm just like, when you've made a poster, I'm just like, no, because they're always bad. They're always bad. They're always bad. So and bad. It's like, it never look, looks like the just, film. No, just don't do a poster. Like, a few images is, yeah, is fine. I think if, if it helps, you know, if it help, like if you've written something that needs it, you know, then, then anything that can help communicate that. But if you're a writer, it's different. If you're a writer a, approaching a producer for example then yeah cool you can get a head start of like setting up the tone or the style of the film right um which is why we do this meets this and those guys are thick it helps you um if you're approaching a director i did like just you know i'd be careful you know i'd only do it if it really mean needs it you know um i read something recently that had something quite specific in the script um and they put a footnote in the script of like a link to this youtube thing which i watched and it really helped it, I, re I was like oh i get oh, it cool. i get it yeah. um and that and that that was really useful but like i'm also i, I don't know maybe may, maybe i'm like stepping on my toes dude but like <laughs> you know i think i think if you if you need it, then do it. But I don't think you need to do it all the time. Um, if you're approaching a director, I'd say, because they're also going to have a vision and a style and, and that sort of thing. And that's hopefully why you're approaching them. It goes to that research thing, right? Of like, you know, don't send me a kitchen sink, you know, 
council estate drama, right? I'm, I'm just, no, I'm not the guy. You know, I'm just, I just, I, no, um, it's, yeah, I just know, but like, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but if it helps tell the story. And, and I think the thing is, is as directors as well, not only writers that, you know, we sort of take for granted that we, our, our job is to visualize a script, right? And there are a lot of people out there that can't visualize a script or, or find it difficult. If though, so, they'd probably be directors, right? So yep, especially yep. Get, uh, producers or okay. more practical producers or investors and stuff, anything you've got as a director or a writer, you know, that can be like, this is the kind of person I see for this character. Or this is the kind of location. And that's what my decks are. They're like, they'll say like a character's name and they'll, there might be seven images of like a a type of person from different films or it might be the key location you like there's images about that location and they might they might go from like the forest moon of endor to a picture of you know a, a park down the road but like as a whole they sort of say something mm-hmm. and that i think that helps community it's all that communication right like it yeah. just and don't take for granted the fact that you may be good at it and other people might not be as good at it. So and, mm. and so I think that really helps, uh, yeah. definitely. Let's move on to on set then, which is Phil's. Let's talk about your topic, Phil. R- fill our audience in, Phil. Oh. <sighs> I, like I, I actually didn't mean to do that. It was Dom's insistence. It, yeah. Obviously, it's quite a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Keep them coming. Um, The uh, obviously it's quite a big topic, and and it's sort of about you know we could all we could all have the thing about oh be prepared, do your shot list, do your blocking outlines, you know all all that kind of stuff. Um, But I think maybe some of the stuff to talk about is maybe about um, maybe about how you handle yourself on set. Maybe mm-hmm. don't know, something yep. to talk about is that there's a director when I was assisting directors in commercials many, 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 many years ago. Uh, and the best piece of advice that stuck me was like, you're the guy or girl that is there to be cool under pressure, you know? So, the, you know, the set can be on fire, mm-hmm. but if you're cool about it, people it read off is. that, you know? <laughs> it mm-hmm. often is, it yeah. Often is. And, and, and maybe it just comes with experience. Maybe it's confidence. Maybe it's... <laughs> insanity but there are many 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 times and Giles and Don will know this and Tobias probably on your short that where you're like we're never going to make the day uh I know tomorrow the location just fallen out or there's an issue with this actor or there's something else going on mm-hmm. that you, maybe your producers if you've got the luxury of producer um uh-huh. <laughs> is uh protecting you from but but you're the guy that needs to be able to like be paddling madly under the water and being smooth as a swan on top and mm-hmm. i think that's really key uh and it comes to that like setting a tone on set you know if you're people have different directing styles we're all very very different even between me Dom and Giles we're probably all very different on set um and um it's it's about um you know the the crew does look to you the cast uh, for me it's all about setting a a stage for the actors to do the best work because at the end of the day that's what you're capturing right we can get obsessed about cool dolly shots and lenses and all that kind of stuff but if your actors can't do the thing that they're there to do mm-hmm. because you're stressed out or you can't get this cool shot or the technical things going on like yep. nobody cares yep. at the end of the day get the performance you know, and, and put everything into that, you know. Um, and um, and that's you, that, that, that's down to the director to 
to set that tone, to set, you know, I say they like set the stage for that, you know, to show that you're, in, you know, you will do crew rehearsals and you will give time for the actors to block and you will give time for the actors to walk the scene and come up with ideas and stuff because then people will know that the performance the performances are important to you as a director, so therefore the crew and the machine around you adjusts for that. Instead of coming on going, yeah, yeah, stand over there, okay, action. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, well, let, let's steady cam around them, you know, um, which you see, you know, more technical directors and actors sort of standing there like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think that's important as well about being on set. I think that, I think that is- I agree um, with that. A key Massively. thing. Anyone want to add to that? Agree with that? I, do, I don't think you have to be- I don't think you have to be super serious either. Like some people think that you have to be like, you know, a military leader on set. And I feel like that sort of changed a bit anyway over yeah, sort of with recent the megaphone years. You don't have there. to be the sort of no. the dictator. Um, you can have a light. Yeah, you can have a light, lighter tone on set and people can have fun. I, I think the key is just that, you know, people know when you're when you need people mm, to buckle down, you that you're the sort of the word that pulls it together. And look, you're only human. There are times when shit does hit the fan and you're stressed. But actually... That's when actually crews start to like pull together. Because if you've been kind of a light and enthusiastic and passionate and uh, everything, uh, full of energy, uh, you know, I'm a massive bundle of energy on set. Like I, I, I don't stop. I don't sit down. I don't have a chair. You know, not not to not, not to do the whole whatever whoever that was say no chairs on set. But like, I like <laughs> to stand Lennon. up. <laughs> God, I, I like to stand up. I like to you know be engaged so I can I can rush around. But like. If there is a point where they hear my tone change, everyone goes, oh, God, okay, we need to do this. You know, the, oh, the, oh, this is serious. Or, oh, Phil cares about this scene or what's going to happen. It's so important to make your day, as you say. So you can, setting the tone is so important to make that happen. If you're the leader, and sometimes it's very hard for directors to understand the difference between leader and dictator. And the fact is you're just leading everyone. Like Phil's saying, he's not sitting down. He's constantly moving, making jokes, making feel everyone safe, but also getting the work done and doing the serious side as well. And when people see that, they've not been on your set before. And often we will work with the same people who know our style. That's why people often work with the same people. But if it's someone new, they see that and they go, oh, they're leading from the front and you have to um you you know the producer might be the sails and the water and stuff but you're the boat and you're the captain and you're steering it through that water that the producers put there or producers put the you know the the sails up but you've got to steer it in the right direction and you've got to help everyone it can be really difficult and can get bogged down in the bullshit of he said she said stuff that can happen a lot in a film set and you've just got to rise above that and choose your moments of when to step in or when to not and sometimes things can happen on their own you know let them sort it out but sometimes you do need to step in but as long as your your crew understand what you're trying to achieve i think it's going back to the deck thing we mentioned earlier i like to show my decks to my crew sometimes and I don't necessarily mean the whole deck I might show an image this is what I'm meaning from this film these are the colors this is my palette and I think one if you can get your crew on board with that and cast as well on board with your vision it, then it's easier like they're leaders as well I want you to lead your area you lead your area you're the director of this bit you know I, I think it's, it's 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 a team game but you're the one being the leader of that team you're the captain you know 
it's important. I mean, I had I had a moment on um, on the Origins film, like out in Morocco in the heat. Um, people were sick and I was so excited and passionate and focused on the scene and stuff and and uh, the crew behind me you know um, were just we're doing everything they possibly could well <laughs> that's the thing they were working so hard to, to achieve this thing this mad ambitious idea was what I was trying to do and it mm. took I think it was my DP Dave that said you know we you know the you do know that some of the crew are like sick and ill and, and stuff. And I was mm. like, what? I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's like, yeah. Mm. Um, so maybe if we could tomorrow, maybe there's a way of having a longer break or being out of the sun or like, I just feel like everyone needs a little bit of a boost, you know, mm. and stuff. And I had no clue that mm. this was yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and to the point where I had to, um, there's a sequence in the film, which is, you know, the, the the Nazis come over the hill and they've got tanks and, you know, it's basically like our big expensive scene. We had actual tanks. Um, that was supposed to be an all-day scene we were shooting and I knew that I couldn't have the crew doing that. So I, I, I spent that, I went back last night and figured out how I could do that in half a day so lunch could call and then everyone could have time off because, you know, people were sick and ill. And like, at the time, again... It was a tankless task. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ, God. <laughs> Where did he get him from? Where did he get him from? Just, just wired that His way. His Instagram. I, I was I was pedaling hard, like under the surface, thinking, oh my God, how the hell am I going to do this? This is my big expensive scene. It's my set mm -hmm. piece. Like it's mm -hmm. what we spent all the money on, you know, and we have to do it this day. But how do I do it in this way? And then you have to be the, the person that's like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. It's fine. We'll figure it out. You do. <laughs> and then you and walk off and cry. You do cry because these scenes are so important. You've put so much effort and time and how you planned your shots and then suddenly you can't do what you want to do, whether it's crew illness in Phil's case or it's the weather's shit or that location doesn't work or an actor's not ready in time. Who knows what it is? They can't get... Who Someone can't get so, there. Someone's Always. laughing at your short film. <laughs> <laughs> it is important that you know that I like to say, or when people tell you that, to go, okay, well, I've got to adapt. And I think that is something you've got to be malleable on set and not too strict with what your vision totally is. Of course, your vision's important, but you have to change that because things do change on set and things happen. And your bar starts up so high and it comes down all the time. So in the end, your bar now is, oh God, I limbo can stop over it. It's limbo level. And that is just the way it is on indie and films. And that's when you need someone short didn't quite work. Didn't quite work. <laughs> Keep that one in, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously a huge pressure on, on the director because everybody's watching you. And, and as you said, um, Phil, you, you are the one who's setting the tone and the, the atmosphere on set and you're the leader. Now, on shorts, making shorts, you, you probably have four or five days of shooting. Oh, what kind of shorts luxury. are you making? <laughs> that's what you say. That's not too too many days, um, so that's that's manageable. But if you're shooting a feature, uh, you, you're sometimes shooting for I don't know three weeks, four weeks. Um, how do sometimes. you some, sometimes? How do you make it through those three weeks? I mean, I I always find the thing for me is is always just basically look at it one day at a time. Not, not, not try and because the thing is, if you try and look at you know the, the whole week ahead of what you've got to do, it's too much for your brain, and you're just going to blow out. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you've you've obviously got to be aware of where each character is in the story, where the tone is, 
where their character arc is, et cetera, et cetera, which is different from a short book because you've got to sort of keep track of that. Um, <laughs> it's not to not have wildly there, inappropriate there, there like no team jumping. There are no characters or arts in short films. No, no, no. shooting for five days. No, but, I mean, yeah. you can... Over, yeah, over your five-day odyssey sh- shoot. <laughs> yeah, no, but... but <laughs> But over over two days, it's pretty easy to keep track of where a character is emotionally. Like over a feature, it, it's a, it's a, there's a lot to, to try to remember. So I mean, that's game. that's the main thing. But other than that, like I I just think it's like you just got to take it scene by scene. You got to make make the scene, then you got to make the half day, then you got to make the day, and and that's it. And then you know when you're sort of getting to maybe close to the end of the week, if you have by any horrible nightmare dropped any scenes, you've got to think, okay, where are we going to fit that in at the end of this week or the start of the next? And then it's just have a break, decompress as much as you can and then get back in on the next one. And you just got to, you literally just have to be present and deal with it as it comes. Mm, it's different for a, from the producing side because you have to think ahead. You can't yes. not think yeah tomorrow or just today let me get through today and of yeah. course you can you can as a director I, I agree with you obviously you're prepped beforehand so you know your film inside out and you've prepped what you're doing on day 19 or day 12 if that's your last day whatever it is but as a producer you you can't you have to be thinking end goal you have to be thinking even distribution or whatever it is on set because you might be having those conversations so you have to be aware of everything that's going on and the problems that are going to occur so your brain has to think hang on, on Thursday, that actor might not be available, there's going to be a problem, might be setting, someone's setting fire to something, right, we need to get fire brigade, make sure they're definitely there. All these things... <laughs> a lot of mention it, of fires. Well, they've set on fire all the time. <laughs> we know the this. Pyromediac, this is yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you do have to think differently. As a director, I agree with Dom, as long as you're prepared and you've done the work, you can do it day by day, because if you don't, you can really drown in it and start worrying so much. Go into that new thing is like be be prepared it's like for that reason it's like you might sort of forget um two weeks in uh about why you did a certain shot or a shot list or some blocking or something but you're like Mm. but you know you did that work so it might have Mm. changed but you did that work so when you bring up those notes because you've been overthinking a day or day you know a day or two ahead you're like it 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 jogs your memory because you've all the homework you've been put in um beforehand Uh, i'm very much that you know director that preps everything every single shot every single thing and then basically has that in my back pocket and i get on set and mm. i speak to the actors you know um so there's always a, a fallback plan and um I, I think you know if you know the script well enough because that's you know that's your job um the arcs are you know th- what don was saying about knowing where a ca- an actor is or a character is in a certain in the story i think that's hopefully comes in st- you know, as an instinct about what that's the story and the the point of that scene right because if you've broken down the scene you're talking about the you know um the the aims of that scene uh and and what what the objective are from the characters and what they want and what they need and all that stuff you put all that homework in then you shouldn't have a good idea of where you are uh, at, at any one time um but i think it's really good advice to and I'm sort of taking it on board now, knowing I'm going into a feature. <laughs> I mean, not done one for a while. Like, yeah, I probably should do that, Dom. I'll write that down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this podcast for. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's, it's helping me. For as well. at, at um, least for us <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i love it i mean look we could i believe we could talk about that topic for ages that whole on set when you're a director when you're a producer what you should do but i think you find it yourself you learn don't you when once you've made your first film and I'm, obviously you want to be great on that first film but once you've done the first film you suddenly realize 
Oh, okay. This is what it is. This is where my brain needs to be. I think, you know, the question was, how do we cope on set? I think for uh, Tobias, your question was, how do we, you know, how do you get through three, four weeks? Your your brain. Regular Uh, crying. Yeah, exactly. You cry, but you, and you certainly, you have, you know, for me, it's like wake up, jump straight in the shower. Get, you know, it's like get my brain in. I, I had a routine every day. Sleep. Do some press ups. Sleep is vital. Sleep is so important. People, people that think, yeah. I, I, I completely disagree with the idea that you should, you know, just burn yourself out at both ends. No, totally agree. Um, yeah. You know, it's actually, I think it's actually better to be slightly less prepared, but well rested so your brain can work. Mm. than it is to have been like fretting over something into the small hours of the morning I don't and then get turn these up wrecked. De- directors or crew members who go out, get smashed, and then the next day they're on it. I- I'm like, hang on, how are you supposed to be able to do your best work? Yeah, I, I complete I- abort mission, like, doesn't matter yeah. how antisocial. Like, the second I, I rap, I'm, I'm, I want to decompress and get Totally, some rest. and okay, it's okay to have a little drink with your cr- crew or cast, of course, but you're the leader of that ship. You can't be mm. there up to whatever, getting smashed, doing your thing, or even having three or four a night. You've mm. got to concentrate this is your one might be your only chance mm. you've really got to take it seriously for me also it was about being physically fit as well in terms of i was eating well you know uh, having the plant-based diet really does help but also running and and looking not after too much myself. sugar not too much like not coffees exactly. all the Eat time coffees, too much milk so you're prepared your brain is in that mm. right space and barocas every day you know keep the vitamin yeah. c's up so you're not going to get ill you know try mm. you will get ill when you finish for sure you're going to be runny nose and in bed for weeks yeah. it's horrible but yeah. you've got to not get ill when you're on set so you've got to do everything in your power your body strength to tackle that before you make your first film Sunset's tough, man. It's really brutal. I also had protein as well every day. I used protein. to have like a huh? protein, yeah, protein, protein shake every day. What? Like if it's your bro, it's protein, protein. Oh, protein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, was this a really oh. bad pun at a re- again an inappropriate? You always say they're bad, but let's let's be honest, they're not bad. They're good. <laughs> I'm really embarrassed now that I'm laughing at this bad. People puns. come for knowledge yeah. and stay for the puns. For the, for, the record, <laughs> for the record, Tobias. Giles and Phil mostly laugh through these puns anyway. <laughs> and just cutting the laughs out, so it's yeah. <laughs> so it's just silence. <laughs> After every pun. Oh, so not punny. So a final topic. Um the third point of being a filmmaker. They say one is when you're script writing, the second is when you're on set, and the third is when you're in the editing process. I'm in there now with Wolves of War, so I thought, you know, this is another good topic for us to talk about on this very special 250th episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. What do we feel um, about the editing process? You learn that, like, never will you feel more low than watching your your first cut of your film for the first time. Isn't no, that's, that amazing? <laughs> yeah, that I, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's partly psychological. Because you, you had your bar up here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. there's a few things, right? Like... If your editor knows you or is a new editor, you know, it, it, it can be different. But let's just say mm. the assembly, like, you probably had hardly any input. So it's the first time seeing it. And, and in your brain, this thing you've, this, this, you know, the way you prepped it and the way you think shots go together, it can be quite jarring on the first watch because mm. you're like, oh, wait, I thought it was going to, I was going to start on a wide. And now we're, and, uh, you know, and your brain goes into attack mode instead of enjoying it because, you, you know, it's hard. Um, yes. I always feel like I've not shown it wide enough. I always, I always feel like when really? I'm on set, 
I feel like, oh yeah, it's, it's wide, it's cool. And I, I, anytime I see it, I'm like, could have been wider, could have been wider. Like, you know, I just, I don't know what it is. Maybe we were talking before we dove about the whole Hollywood movie thing. It's because there's this like, there's this indie like rhetoric that's like drilled into everyone about coverage because people panic. Mm. I guess because filmmakers go wrong. They're like, have you got the close-up? Have you got the close-up? Have you got the extreme close-up? It's like, well, no, mm. we've kind of planned not to do a close-up because that's the whole point of it. And then everyone's like, no, you need to get the close-up. And then it's kind of like same kind of thing in the edit as well. Do you know what my trick is, Giles? When I'm on a monitor, depending on the size of the monitor, I put my little finger up below yeah. the screen. I'm doing it on Zoom right now. And then yeah. I imagine that as the head. Is of that your in. finger, yeah? That's okay, in my good. finger. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else should it be, Charles? I think. <laughs> oh, no, no. And then it's bigger. Uh, you got two. Um, <laughs> what I like to do is put my little finger up uh, like next to my monitor and I imagine that as a head of someone in the audience. And then when I'm looking at it, I'm like, nice. ah, I imagine on a big screen, it makes me go, mm. no, no, we need to be wider. Like because yes. suddenly you've got a sense of scale or context and I do that and people find it like see me just doing that by the screen and be like what is he doing why I is he keep guy, fingering I the monitor I know this guy likes IET but my god like why is he what is he doing all the time and uh, and I just I find it's like to the point that on a, a film many years ago someone cut out heads uh, and, and stuck them on <laughs> below my monitor, uh, which was funny. But, um, but no, yeah, that, that's that. what I like to do just to kind of, cause I'm Great always tip. trying to make it big and feel cinematic. Right. Mm. And, um, yeah, of course. So that helps me. We, we want, we make films that we expect to see in the cinema that we don't, you know, start out making our films going, Hey, this will be on someone's iPhone. They'll be watching it on that. We want them to watch it on the biggest screen possible, whether that's going to happen or not, but at least we're aiming there. So yeah, I, that's a great tip. I'm doing it right now on this film. I'm like every scene I'm writing, what's the big moment? What's the big shot? And you might not use it. You might not, it might not be appropriate for every scene, but it's like, Oh, is there the, is, is there a drone shot at the end of this that, that, that is hovering above them that gives a sense of location or isolation or loneliness or whatever the insert cliches here, but like, you know, <laughs> but, but it makes you think that much bigger because when you come to that trailer, <laughs> those yep. will be the ones that are there. You totally. Know? Yeah, totally. It's a vital part of our filmmaking process that we do sort of take for granted a bit. The editor's job is incredible. There's not enough love given to editors on what they do with these films. And I and I think it's so important that we learn as directors, producers, not necessarily producers as such, but wouldn't it be great if producers understood the editing process as well, you know, properly understood it. But as directors, I feel you should. I think it's your duty to totally understand and edit short films yourself, edit whatever you can yourself to understand that process because it, it makes you a better director for one, but when you're in the edit process, you understand. One thing that I as well feel with the edit process, once you get there, you realise you spent far too long on the wides. It's something that filmmakers do all the time. They do the wide first. I get why we do the wide first, get the actors into it, get the shot right, you know where people are blocking, walking, etc, etc. The problem is you spend so long perfecting that wide. See, all the time. And then you get to the edit and you go, I've got seven wides and fucking we didn't have enough time for the close-ups, enough time for the inserts. <laughs> why? Why weird. did you do seven... 
You never use Just, it. You have you ever dolls. used the wide? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. but I, I've learned. But even so, you still spend too long on the wide, and it. I might just do one yeah. take. We still do it. Yeah, but that's something do. that I'd say if you haven't done a feature yet, try not to start on wide if you can, for the blocking reasons. But you, because you you end up hardly ever using it in the edit. I mean, I, I love. I mean, I'm I love a developing wide, right? So like the Spielberg oh, yes. like rule of thumb of you know Gosh, it, yes. of of being in a way where you can be a wide into a mid or into something mm. else and motivate along. Like, I love, I love that. I absolutely love it. And where it's possible for the story and, you know, a caveat, everything, like I try and do that where I can. Um, yes. Um, you know, and if you don't know what I'm talking about or one example, Spielberg got every single film, but there's some cool stuff of, um, I think in Indiana Jones, where it's a simple dialogue scene between him and someone in his apartment, and it, it's all just one master. And you watch the whole mm. thing, you're like, well, there's been a close up, and there's been a mid, and then it developed into this, and we saw the thing mm. he picked up, and you realize it was basically one shot. And, and, you, yeah. and it's so subconscious that it's because it's motivated by. And he's the master, of course. It's motivated mm. by the actors and the motion that it feels like a like a ballet, as it were. Um, I like, I love a moving master. I, mm. I'm a big fan of going right. Here's just here's what I want to create within this scene. This is my moving master. As much as some bits of it, I'll never use it. Be shit. Mm -hmm. Don't worry yeah. about it because we've got to yeah. get from that. I don't care. It's my moving master. As long as I've got that. I've got my moving master. I'm fine now. I don't need, you know what I mean? I don't need to, and now I can punch in. Let's get tights. Let's get and close. If you know, and you know editing, like, you know, mm -hmm. that's the thing, like, don't strive for perfection on everything. You know, don't yes. go again because there's a bump in the track or something. Because yes. you're like, yes. you know, it's like just, just, or even like the performance wasn't quite there or the line wasn't mm -hmm. quite right. You could just dub no. it, right? Like from the close up, like, you know, yeah. and if you yeah, shoot yeah, as yeah. wide as I am with my tiny little finger head, you <laughs> can't see him sink anyway, you know? Totally right. I, I yeah, 100% agree on that. There is nothing worse when, you know, I, I see it quite a bit when I'm producing and the director will go again mm -hmm. because there was a, some, a noise happened or mm -hmm. the actor didn't deliver exactly that little bit in the mm -hmm. middle right i'm like yeah but he did it in the last take or she did it in the last take mm. all you need was the beginning and the end and for me and director i i i make sure i if i'm doing another take it's because there's a little bit i wanted tweaking so that's the note i'll give i won't care about the other bits it doesn't yeah. matter for me if you nail yeah. that or don't i know i got it in the other takes so i want that little bit in the middle mm. uh, and as long as you know that as a as a director don't waste time man you haven't got time on a movie set it goes it's actually colin gowdy that suggested me and dom did a, a chat after the alice eve podcast where we were just talking randomly about filmmaking and it was Colin that I asked if people like this and quite a few people did but Colin emailed and said look this is this is really cool you guys chatting so hence why we were doing the 250th this way as well is because so Colin we can, also we can, we can blame Colin for this it. so if you don't like this blame Colin Gowdy <laughs> we'll set up, we'll sorry, set up a mail Colin. account for that sorry Colin he's amazing he's amazing <laughs> um, so look we've covered so much and it has, this has Almost been brilliant it's, it is. It's. It's. We have covered too much. <laughs> we have given you too much information. information. Yeah. I, you, it's like <laughs> it's all over. So, as I do with all my guests recently, I've been asking, what advice would you give your younger self? 
I think what I've learned, and we touched on this, is, is the that fact that performance is everything. Because when I was starting out, you know, in, in the bygone era of like, I got really excited when you were able to pull focus for the first time. This is how old I am, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I used to get caught up in the technical, and then I real, and I was unhappy with the film because I hadn't concentrated on the actors or you know, in my first shorts and stuff like this. And I, and I remember then um, allowing again saying that stage allowing the actors to do what they want to do and be open to those things and and being that conductor for of expression of of the performance um as it relates to the story um is something i would go back and go phil stop messing nobody cares what you shot on nobody cares like if you're doing a dolly shot no one cares. like the the scary thing he's concentrating on is that person in front of you that's got those lines to deliver in a certain way you know and and that's what you need to tackle because we can get very you know we we can go into a false insecurity where we get um uh, we get pulled into the technical because there's there's a it either works or it doesn't work. You know, we either we have this, or we don't have this. Whereas a performance is something that is intangible and you know and evolving and, and beautiful and interesting and different every day. And you know, and 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 that's why I say lean into as a director um, uh, is to try and you know work with more actors, go and act. You know, you might not be the world's best actor, but you definitely know what, what it's like to be in front of a camera when you have been in front of a camera. And there's, you find a newfound respect for that. Giles, obviously, you did it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, and then lost his good looks and became a director. That's what we all do. Some of us haven't. No, I, 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 completely, I completely echo your sentiments, actually. And I, I think the most, if I had to pick one thing over everything else, it was going and doing like acting lessons, observing acting, learning. Because it is the most, it's the most unintuitive if you're like a sort of, a sort of a storyteller that watches films when you're growing up and you see it as a placeholder. It's, it's just not, it, it is a separate skill and it's, it is the most important and it's the one you you can't fake uh you know of everything the second thing i'd say is learn story structure like understand what you know what important bits need to be in your film for people to connect learn not to do cheesy dialogue learn to create interesting characters that have you know feelings that actually translate uh across tobias what what for making your short was the most surprising thing so you know you're in festivals now like you've kind of done the you know the the life cycle, as it were. Prepping is the most important thing because um, you have control about everything until you go on set and then everything falls apart and you're in a battle. So prepping is immensely important and something you can't do enough, I think. Um, sleep as well, because <laughs> even if you're doing a four-day shoot, um, yep. yes, sleep is definitely. really important. And, Very much so. Uh, the pressure of that is tough. Yeah. And the last, the last thing is that yeah. a good first AD is uh, the mm. most important uh, crew member, or mo one of the most important crew members. That's great advice. Yeah, I'd say first AD and DP. Yeah, yeah, of course DP as well. But, but, um, but especially uh, yeah. on short films, because you often forget when you're doing everything by yourself, and and you're having the overview, and then you go on set, and you're like, okay, fuck, I should have um, put someone in place who is just have someone who who looks at the time, someone who manages the set. Um, so you, as a director and producer, you, you really have the time on set to to work with the actors. Yeah, great advice. Very cool. I, I think my younger self would be would be amazed with where I've got many to. years ago many, yeah many, many years ago you I think, yourself would be like don't make a podcast yeah but that would have been the first thing so why waste your time doing that um 
but yeah, I think I think it would have been trust yourself. I think that was always the thing before I made my first feature. I was so frightened. I was so scared I was going to fuck it up. I was absolutely petrified. And you were right. <laughs> <laughs> now that was funny, Dom. That we're keeping in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we can't have to last though. So. Yes. <laughs> so it seems really serious. Tobias, <laughs> I'm going to be monitoring the jokes of yeah, I think I think I, I did that a lot and I on set I was worrying and panicking way too much. I was way too stressed. And I just had to learn from obviously I didn't have podcasts and we didn't there was not the books that told you these intricate details. But man, you've got this. If you've got that far where you're making your feature film, you've got this. It's your vision. People are on board your vision already. Don't panic. Just do the best job you can going forward. Uh, and also, Giles, you've still got great hair. That's probably what I'd say. No one's ever said that. <laughs> But this is my younger self talking. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope this has given you some inspiration and advice on our 250th episode of this every Tuesday, apart from Christmas Day one year, uh, for the past four, four and a half, nearly five years now. We've been five doing this. years. Wow. Our up and coming guests will be. Dom, would you like to announce the first one, which we are recording with on Wednesday, that we couldn't uh, record in time for this 250th episode, is... I would say it is the most in-demand writer in the world right now. Blockbuster writer. Indeed. Everybody wants them. Oh, it's exciting! She wrote 1917 with Sam Mendes. Woohoo! She has recently done Last Night in Soho with Edgar Wright. Ooh. It is Christy Wilson-Kent. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, she is back, Amazing. returning hero. She was going to do our Make Your Film event that obviously uh, just happened before lockdown, then she came and did the online event for us, but she is back. Me and Dom are recording with her later this week, uh, so she'll be joining us to talk all about last night in Soho, about how she wrote that, how it came about. And what's happening next for her? Because she is ridiculously in demand. Dare we say Star Wars? Uh, things yeah. are happening big time for her. Also coming up is uh, Leroy Kincaid and Chloe Chodasama. They're talking about their brilliant film, The Last, the Last Rite. Right. Yeah, that's coming for you very soon as well as... Uh, Big guest uh, coming up. Fingers crossed this might not happen, but he said he would. It is the director of Atonement and of Serrano, uh, the big film coming up. It is Whoa. Joe Wright. Wow, that's gentlemen. cool. Wow, yeah. the price is right. <laughs> well, we have to... We all have to tweet him now and just get him to do it. So yeah, I know. We'll have to be like, yeah, you have to yeah, do yeah. this. Let's uh, just announce him. Let's just, yeah, just announce him. <laughs> um, we're also getting some of the cast from that film as well. How wow. fucking exciting. Including the leads. Fingers crossed. It's all happening. Um, myself and Dom have been really trying to get a big guest for the 250th. So, so we've hard, gone yeah. mad. Yeah. Uh, and now suddenly they're coming back and saying, yes, yeah. but we can't do it uh, until a couple of weeks. Um, there, there is shouts of a couple of other big people as well. So if they say yes we'll let you know but that's to wet your whistles to make your knickers moist to make your ankles succulent and to make your necks dry please cut that <laughs> <laughs> that's coming up for you very soon on the filmmakers podcast 
Look, this has been brilliant. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting this way. And if you have, let us know and we'll do more of these. We'll drop them in every now and again. Let us know. Just tweet us at Filmmakers Pod or Instagram, the Filmmakers Podcast. There's loads of shit on there. And don't forget our Patreon. There is so much um, info. And actually, some of this podcast will be on the Patreon that we'll cut down. Obviously, that didn't make the cut. Mainly Dom's puns. But they will be in there. If you're there for the punnies, uh, then Special join our Patreon. Only his pure, puns. Pure jersey. Pure jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen you've all been amazing you've stayed with us this long thank you so much stay with us for our 251st and then our 300 and maybe more depends if I can be asked to do any more after that and remember if you're looking to rise up you have to send the elevator back down is that how you say Very it? Close. not quite yet it's not, it's not like Dom knows he doesn't know okay, the sorry, fucking hang on, intro hang on hang on, hang on. Let me remember channel. if you're lucky like, enough yeah. to rise up that Remember to send that elevator no, you've back got down to again. Start with the first bit. If you're looking to rise up and do well, it is your duty, duty. to send the elevator back, back. Down. down. So I suppose that's it. <laughs> uh, no, we stop re- recording. <laughs> We should just stop recording. Uh, we're getting giggly. It's tired. It's nearly three hours of this. Um, bless Toby's got to edit this and put this up. So Sorry, thank Toby. Toby. I won't. Thanks, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to edit Welcome at all. Welcome to the uncut version of the yes. two episode. Uh, listen, join us next Tuesday. We have Christy Wilson Cairns on. It's going to be amazing. Thank you, Phil Hawkins. You're a superstar. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you, Christian James. You've been amazing. Thank you, Dom Lamar. Thank you very much. My co-host. And thank you so Host. much to Vias V's, as always, for being amazing thank and you. asking some brilliant questions. Let's all fuck off. Uh, yep. Take care. Go out there, make your films, make it happen. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Podcast, 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 podcast. You're not going to join in? Okay. 250th podcast it is. Filmmakers around the world, you better listen to this. We're talking about films, making them on your own or making them with a studio, whatever works for you. (laughs) Nearly made it.